Jean's son Frankie wakes up screaming. It has become frequent, two or three times a week, at random times. Midnight, 3 a.m., 5 in the morning. Here is a high, empty wail that severs Jean from his unconsciousness like sharp teeth. It is the worst sound that Jean can imagine. The sound of a young child dying violently, falling from a building, or caught in some machinery that is tearing an arm off, or being mauled by a predatory animal. No matter how many times he hears it, he jolts up with such images playing in his mind, and he always runs, thumping into the child's bedroom to find Frankie sitting up in bed, his eyes closed, his mouth open in an oval like a Christmas caroler. Frankie appears to be in a kind of peaceful trance, and if someone took a picture of him, he would look like he was waiting to receive a spoonful of ice cream rather than emitting that horrific sound. Frankie, Jean will shout, and claps his hands hard in the child's face. The clapping works well. At this, the scream always stops abruptly, and Frankie opens his eyes, blinking at Jean with vague awareness before settling back down into his pillow, nuzzling a little before growing still. He is sound asleep. He is always sound asleep. Though even after months, Jean can't help leaning down and pressing his ear to the child's chest to make sure he's still breathing, his heart is still going. It always is. There is no explanation that they can find. In the morning, the child doesn't remember anything, and on the few occasions that they have managed to wake him in the midst of one of his screaming attacks, he is merely sleepy and irritable. Once, Jean's wife, Karen, shook him and shook him until finally he opened his eyes groggily. Honey, she said. Honey, did you have a bad dream? But Frankie only moaned a little. No, he said, puzzled and unhappy at being awakened, but nothing more. They can find no pattern to it. It can happen any day of the week, any time of the night. It doesn't seem to be associated with diet or with his activities during the day, and it doesn't stem, as far as they can tell, from any sort of psychological unease. During the day, he seems perfectly normal and happy. They have taken him several times to the pediatrician, but the doctor seems to have little of use to say. There is nothing wrong with the child physically, Dr. Banerjee says. She advises that such things were not uncommon for children of Frankie's age group. He is five, and that more often than not, the disturbance simply passes away. He hasn't experienced any kind of emotional trauma, has he? The doctor says. Nothing out of the ordinary at home? No, no, they both murmur together. They shake their heads, and Dr. Banerjee shrugs. Parents, she says. It's probably nothing to worry about. She gives them a brief smile. As difficult as it is, I'd say that you may just have to weather this out. But the doctor has never heard those screams. In the mornings after the nightmares, as Karen calls them, Gene feels unnerved, edgy. He works as a driver for the United Parcel Service, and as he moves through the day after a screaming attack, there is a barely perceptible hum at the edge of his hearing, an intent, 
deliberate static sliding along behind him as he wanders through streets and streets in his van. He stops along the side of the road and listens. The shadows of summer leaves tremble murmurously against the windshield, and cars are accelerating on a nearby road. In the treetops, a cicada makes its trembly pressure cooker hiss. Something bad has been looking for him for a long time, he thinks. And now, at last, it is growing near. When he comes home at night, everything is normal. They live in an old house in the suburbs of Cleveland, and sometimes after dinner they work together in the small patch of garden out in back of the house. Tomatoes, zucchini, string beans, cucumbers, while Frankie plays with Legos in the dirt. Or they take walks around the neighborhood, Frankie riding his bike in front of them, his training wheels recently removed. They gather on the couch and watch cartoons together, or play board games, or draw pictures with crayons. After Frankie is asleep, Karen will sit at the kitchen table and study. She is in nursing school. And Jean will sit outside on the porch, flipping through a news magazine or a novel, smoking the cigarettes that he has promised Karen he will give up when he turns 35. He is 34 now, and Karen is 27. And he is aware, more and more frequently, that this is not the life that he deserves. He has been incredibly lucky, he thinks. Blessed, as Jean's favorite cashier at the supermarket always says. Have a blessed day, she says, when Jean pays the money and she hands him his receipt, and he feels as if she has sprinkled him with her ordinary, gentle beatitude. It reminds him of long ago, when an old nurse had held his hand in the hospital and said that she was praying for him. Sitting out in his lawn chair, drawing smoke out of his cigarette, he thinks about that nurse even though he doesn't want to. He thinks of the way she'd leaned over him and brushed his hair as he stared at her, imprisoned in a full-body cast, sweating his way through withdrawal and DTs.